20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 733 of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am a writer and editor for Packer Reports. I am incredibly excited as this is officially season three, my first season three episode on the Pack-A-Day podcast, episode two to be exact, which means that we have actually completed two years of episodes, which seems absolutely crazy to me. But uh, here we are. We've had a ton of amazing guests, and I'm so excited to be joined by another one today. Um, My guest today is a news and sports multimedia journalist for NBC26. She was previously a digital producer for NBC Sports Washington. She's worked such prestigious roles as Sunday Night Football, Football Night in America, the Stanley Cup Playoffs, the NHL Winter Classic, and much, much more. She now gets to cover your Green Bay Packers here in Green Bay. My guest, of course, is the one and only the amazing Rachel Hopmeyer. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for that incredible introduction. I don't know if anybody's ever covered my resume so succinctly. Well, I do my best. Uh, it's it's one of my only skills, so uh, I appreciate it. But uh, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm so excited to kind of go over a few of these different topics that we're going to cover today. Uh, but I, before we kind of even jump into any of that, I just kind of want to go over, you know, your journey to covering the Packers with, you know, NBC 26 as a sports reporter and kind of how you got to this point. Sure. Um, I moved to Green Bay right before Safer at Home orders in Wisconsin and the pandemic really kind of went across the United States. So it's definitely been a crazy time thus far, but I am looking forward to getting back to Lambeau when things are normal, just like every other cheese head is. Um, I love my time in Washington. I covered three championships. You know, who can complain about that? Just amazing to see sports teams of any sport, of any Franchise works so, so hard to secure so many uh, league and team firsts that, you know, the Capitals, Nationals and Mystics certainly provided a lot of fun in my time there. And I feel so lucky to keep that in my back pocket with some incredible stuff on the camera roll for sure. Um, And it may be the reporter I am today. I come to Green Bay caring a lot about athlete stories and connecting fans with their favorite people. And I feel lucky that in my access and my job that I earn, I also earn the trust and respect of fans in return and getting to share both worlds with them. Yeah, that's really cool. I've given some of the other, uh, you know, journalists and, uh, you know, sports experts that have come on the podcast in the past some crap, uh, like Lily Zhao, for example, Kelly Price, who used to work for NBC 26. I gave them crap because they didn't bring any good luck or championships to Green Bay uh, while they were here in Green Bay. So uh, hopefully you can bring some of those championships that you've covered to Green Bay. So hopefully the Packers and maybe the Bucks and Brewers uh, can have some of that success that uh, you've had the opportunity to cover so far. So you're going to hopefully be our good luck charm. So I, I hope so. If my track record indicates anything, then we should be in the clear. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So we're going to hold you to that 100%. Um, but, uh, I, you know, you mentioned at the onset that this has kind of been a really interesting time to come on. Obviously, just as you came to Green Bay, everything kind of hit and everything's been a degree of difference or like 20 degrees difference uh, ever since then. Uh, what has been, you know, your favorite thing about covering the Packers so far? Obviously, you've had the opportunity to cover the draft, but uh, also, you know, what's been kind of different about covering the Packers during this time? Sure. I think it's it's a really interesting time to use technology in any way you know how. I'm the first one to admit that I 
am a very social extroverted person and I try to use that to appease anyone I talk to when it's staff, coaches, players, you know, I try to let them know who I am so they can trust me. And doing that behind a computer screen is not only incredibly hard, but even reaching people who don't want to be reached through technology is harder. It's different than walking around the halls of football um, and getting to bump into people and getting to have that interaction. So, you know, just like fans feeling detached, I think a lot of us are in the same boat and, and that's okay. You know, that's, that's what the world is one day. And, We'll do a pendulum swing the other way soon enough when things are right and safe and <laughs> meant to be. Um, but it's been interesting because I feel like I've gotten to know Packers fans differently than I ever would have, you know, in my time here. Because uh, obviously Packers Twitter is known for being just that, Packers Twitter, yeah. let alone Aaron Jones Twitter, but we'll get there. Um and now I'm getting to know people on that type of network that are just so social, so welcoming, because that's all we have these days. You know, it's not like there are brewery meetups right now or any type of in-person, okay, let's smile, let's laugh about this, let's cheers. So as much as I feel the love now, and that's super awesome, and I'm trying to give it back every way I can, um, I'm super excited to when this all becomes a bit more tangible. Yeah, I can only imagine. And that was kind of my follow-up question is, you know, you're obviously new to the area. Just how much have you had the opportunity to kind of get to know Green Bay so far? It's um, it's it's interesting. I am living in downtown Green Bay, so I feel lucky that I'm close to some of the action. I love the area. Um, I can't wait until it's a bit safer to go to some more restaurants in person, breweries, stuff like that. Um, but I try to take my daily assignments in stride and use that as an opportunity. I had to drive all the way out to Wausau the other day. So that's again, another chance to just take a good drive by myself, put on a country station and look around me, stuff like that. I've seen more cows and farms than I ever have in my life. And I got to say, I think they're so stinking cute that (laughs) super glad they're not that far from me. Um, but Wisconsin's great. It's a beautiful place. And I'm just excited that every day I feel like I see something new. Yeah, so it sounds like you've had mostly good impressions of, of Green Bay and Wisconsin so far. Is is that safe in Santa? Is it kind of what you expected it to be? I don't know how much expectations I really had. Um, my only other four way into the Midwest before this has definitely been Chicago. And I think it's safe for everybody to say Chicago is not an accurate portrayal of what Midwest life truly is. So especially for Wisconsiners, then you take it closer to Green Bay. Um, but I'm grateful that, you know, I'm, I'm really in this moment of my life, spending it here and enjoying everything. I mean, duh, cheese, beer, come on, people. Like, these these are the finer things in life. Very, so, very much so. To be in an environment where people not only value these truths to be self-evident, but also hold their sports as religion, I feel very fortunate. Yeah, very, very much so. And wait till you see, you know, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later, actual, you know, Packer Sundays uh, in Green Bay, where uh, you get the football, the beer and the cheese all rolled into one, you know, smorgasbord of amazingness. So uh, those are the best days. And uh, hopefully we'll get back to those sooner rather than later. Uh, But that kind of actually brings us to uh, one of the topics that you've had the opportunity to cover so far. I had the opportunity uh, to kind of be part of that story, which thank you for that, by the way. Um, But your story on Packer uh, fans having the option of opting out of their season tickets. You actually did that story a couple weeks back uh, prior to the Packers, you know, actually executing that option, uh, which was more recent. Um, So I'm curious, you know, what were your big takeaways from fans as you were kind of putting together that story? Sure. So, you know, it's 
it's an unconventional year for all of our normalities in life and day-to-day everything. And of course, Packers is an aspect of daily life here. So it is cool to be in a place where a Packers decision like that is breaking news and it's massive and it is life-changing. And in my research, I talked to dozens of season ticket holders that some of them even lived out of state. Some of them share them with family, all walks of life. But of course, getting a season ticket is such a coveted status that people cling to it any way they can. And that's really special. It's a a really cool bond to share with people. And in my research, interviewing dozens upon dozens, everybody but one person told me they were opting out this year because of health-related concerns, either for themselves or just for general public health concern. But everything really turned back to the current coronavirus pandemic and well if we can do this and be safe without losing our coveted status why not protect ourselves yeah that's that's where i was at you know for those who haven't you know seen my tweet on on twitter earlier last week or mid last week I, I made the same decision i opted out of the you know the season tickets and you know i'm i'm in a unique situation right because i've had the opportunity obviously now to cover the packers last year i was credentialed so i was in uh, the press box for all but one home game i believe which i actually sat um in my season tickets so it's definitely a little bit of a degree of difference for me uh, and i totally understand that but um even even had it not been, um, I, I definitely would have made that same decision to opt out of those tickets. And, uh, you know, safety is, is certainly a concern. You know, we have a family member of ours that um, is very high risk at the moment. So, you know, just trying to make sure that, um, you know, there's no, you know, concerns there. And uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's a really unique and tough time. As I tweeted out, you know, this will be my first season since I was eight years old, which I'm not going to say how long ago that was, but, um, you know, eight or nine years old that I haven't been at one point in the season sitting in section 102 row 35 uh, for my season tickets at least at least one game every year since then so it's going to definitely be surreal and uh, you know I'm certainly going to miss it I'm uh, honestly and I've said this as well uh, I'm going to miss Lambo, but I, I'm going to miss training camp a ton as well and not having, um, you know, the the ability to to cover that quite the same and be in the stands with all the fans as that's going on. Like those are those are, you know, huge bummers. And it's certainly like this is the least of the worries going on across the United States right now is training camp and who's sitting in the seats and things like that. But uh, it's still disappointing nonetheless. Oh, 100 percent. I spent um I went down to the Washington football team's training camp in Richmond and my time there. And it is diehard, you know, to go out to training camp in these environments that are 100 degrees. I mean, you are sweating next to people you don't know, but you care <laughs> next to you because they're there exuding the same passion. Um, the bonds you make with players as fans at these camps, it's special, it's important. And most importantly, I think Packers fans value the most of all this is tradition. So it's it's definitely a bummer to see something like that go away. And I just went back and checked in my records. And I think the best quote from my story in all of this, Elliot Glicksman, a season ticket holder, told me, I'm dying to go to Lambeau, but I'm not dying just to go to Lambeau. Yeah. That says it right there. Yeah, that's a a very good quote. Uh, You said his name was Elliot? Yep, Elliot Glicksman. That's a that's a good quote, Elliot Glicksman. That's that's absolutely amazing and and very well said. Um, one of the other stories that you had the opportunity to cover, or I guess you know interviews that you had the opportunity to do, uh, was an interview with Packers rookie running back AJ Dillon. I thought you did a fantastic job with that. I was wondering if you just might be able to share some of your takeaways and uh, maybe some of your expectations for AJ after having that conversation with him. Sure. Thank you for the compliments. Um, that was definitely 
a special opportunity for me. Um, he went to BC and my parents live right down the street. So it is cool to not only make this move and then chat with someone who is so familiar in my very niche corner of the world. Um, to me, he seems like a kid that's got good head on his shoulders. He's really driven. I really love how he balances his dedication for on the field work and his creative passions off the field. He's really into drone photography and he's got an Instagram where he showcases his drone photography and videography. And I just think it's the coolest thing. He flew some over Lambo shortly after our interview and I, he's really talented. And I think it's cool when guys can feel passionate enough to actually bring these things out into the light because, you know, a, a very famous saying is if you don't, support your players Monday through Saturday, then why are you supporting them on Sunday? And I know that's come up a lot in terms of social justice issues and other racial tensions and arguments we've had lately, but also that goes to show with these players' creative passions too. So I think it's it's really awesome the stuff he's putting out. Um, I mean, obviously you want to say Saquon, I say AJ Dillon's got the bigger legs because they really are just trunks. <laughs> and it, that's awesome. Like they're just trunks and they're scary you know I'm, I'm not afraid to admit they're scary but good scary I think otherwise I talked about this a bit with Maggie but I think something I think is a really cool comp is the running back room we're about to look at theoretically Jones Williams and Dylan I've seen perfectly executed in the rotation of James White Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead and the more and more I think about that comp and the more and more I look at that tape that's how you make it work. And that's how you could see the impact actually come on the scoreboard. And I wanted to hit on that later when we talk about, you know, what's coming up with Lafleur. But if you're going to make a rotation work like that, it's got to be very concise. And I don't know how much analytics they're going to put into this, but you can certainly use those numbers to make an argument for how specific you want to get with this rotation. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're building a rotation, you know, whether it be at running back, whether it be at, you know, uh, wide receiver, whether it be, you know, a defensive backfield, I, I always like having what I call like different flavors of players that you can kind of plug and play in there. You know, at wide receiver, oftentimes it's talked about like a basketball lineup. You've got your short shifty guy, you know, usually in the slot, you've got your big power forwards, you've got kind of some all around guys. So yeah, they always talk about in that regards. And, and now I feel like Green Bay has those different flavors in their running back room as well. You know, we've seen Aaron Jones kind of become that all-around player, much better pass catcher this past season. He's learned how to pass protect much better over the course of his career and, of course, dynamic in the open field. You know, then you have Jamal Williams, better pass protector, can do some receiving out of the backfield, great in checkdown opportunities, a little bit, a little bit more of a, uh, a power runner than, uh, than Aaron Jones is, but probably not the power runner uh, that A.J. Dillon has the potential exactly. to be. Now you, Yeah, exactly. So now you get this, this big, bruising power jugger not of a halfback in, in AJ Dillon, who also possesses some speed. You get a third flavor in there. And then, oh, by the way, you still have a guy like a Tyler Irvin, who last year you used as, you know, on jet sweeps and reverses and as a punt returner and a kick returner. So they have every flavor of running back that you could possibly imagine. And it really gives Matt LaFleur a lot of options and versatility. Totally. You just casually sprinkle some spice in there and you've definitely got some <laughs> explosive wings going on. But yeah, that's definitely... I know A.J. Dillon expressed a lot, both draft and in our chats, about um, being durable and being able to be that kind of pass catcher. So I am wondering if he is kind of that halfway point between Jones and Williams of, I mean, he's, he's a power runner like a train. I mean, I obviously I haven't gotten to see him go up against a line, but the routes I got to see him run in the gym and the strength he's carrying are is just 
trucking a train. So that combined with some sticky hands could really create some good edge here. No, I, I'm 100% in agreement. And, you know, just recently there was a picture on Twitter and it was AJ Dillon standing next to Kamal Martin. So obviously two rookies. Um, I don't know if you saw this picture, but like, obviously Dillon is huge. But like, if you would have told me that like at any point in my time watching football that like, okay, one of those guys is the running back and one is the linebacker, I would have told you a million times out of a million. All right, Kamal Martin's the running back. AJ Dillon is the linebacker. Like AJ, you know, Dillon just built like a, like a train. Um, and it's just crazy to, you know, that this guy at that size with those legs, with that, you know, bulk is the the running back. And, you know, now obviously, uh, you know, defenses have gone more towards lighter inside linebackers so that they can help in, in coverage as well. But, you know, just seeing those two juxtaposed against each other was such a sight to see. And just crazy to think just how big A.J. Dillon is, even in comparison to somebody who has the opportunity to come in and compete as an inside linebacker for the Packers. Exactly. And I think a lot of people had to say during the draft, well, oh, there's a lot of miles on those legs so far coming out of Alston. But you know what? Like he wears his weight well. And not only that, he travels with his weight well. So I really think he knows how to carry himself both swiftly and succinctly in order to pack a punch on really any route catch he's trying to go for. For sure. And I, you know, the, the thing about the wear and tear, like, yeah, yeah, that could start being a conversation as you get into like the, the second contract talk and things like that. But, you know, most teams aren't keeping running backs into their second contracts anyway. Like it's, it's just the unfortunate nature of the business at the position right now. You know, so many teams are going, you know, just with the, the four years and then letting them walk and then, you know, kind of rinse and repeat with a new rookie running back. So uh, we'll see, but uh, you know, that'll be a conversation down the line, but it's certainly not going to affect them over the course of the next few seasons. That's for sure. Um, let's kind of go towards some upcoming stories. So, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot to cover as the season goes along, but I really just kind of want to pick your brain and ask you, you know, what kind of stories or what story are you really looking forward to covering as this, you know, season progresses in your first year covering the Packers? Sure. So, um, touching on that running back room, you know, I'm big on, all right, if football is a business, you know, that's the harsh reality is money numbers. A lot of it comes down to a business then the players are their own entrepreneurs. And I firmly believe in that. I have spent some time in the contract side of sports business and contract years are never not absolutely fascinating to me. And I think it's really interesting to see how not only fans overanalyze in contract years, but how that ends up making business decisions for both the player, the team, every aspect of the business. And I am really excited for quite a couple of contract years we have coming up on the Packers to be able to look at how these guys are putting in their work and where that will lead them either in Green Bay or elsewhere. Um, I just really think we live in a world where the business aspect is undeniable and what you do on the field is your currency. So that is definitely going to be something that I'm personally going to be keeping in a theme of, okay, if we're trying to clock this and keep an eye for an eye. What do we have going for guys who could be here their last year? And how are they going to show that they do want to keep playing here or at least lengthen their football career career at all? Yeah, and I think, you know, at this point, everyone knows kind of the the five names with Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsley, David Bakhtiari, uh, Kevin King, and Kenny Clark as being those names. But the, the two... Named. 
Yeah, exactly. The the two that are interesting to me in that capacity is is one Kevin King, and the reason is because you know is this going to be one of those scenarios where you know he's he's having a, a fairly nice career, maybe some ups and downs, maybe a few more downs than you like, but then you know all of a sudden in a, a contract year, you know, kind of busts out and and you know makes it you kind of wonder of like, all right, is this just kind of a a contract year thing, or is this like now who he is moving forward? Um, I, I think the interesting thing with Kevin King is that like. If you look at where Green Bay kind of needs to be with, you know, trying to resign, you know, uh, you know, both Kenny Clark and, and David Bakhtiari is what you would think is their priorities. Um, I would think that if like Kevin King goes out and plays just amazing, that he's probably going to price his way out of Green Bay. And if he goes right. out and has like a really bad year, that Green Bay's not going to want him back. Like they're going to say, you know what, we tried this out. Maybe you can fit with a different team. So it's almost like if you want Kevin King to be like a long-term Packer, like he almost has to have the exact same kind of seasons that he's had uh, over the course of his career so far, because in any other situation or circumstance, I just think that he may not be back either because he priced himself out or played himself out, one of the two. So I think right. that's interesting. And then at the running back position, you have, you know, Aaron Jones, but we just talked about, you just brought in this, you know, this second round, uh, you know, high priority rookie and AJ Dillon, who certainly looks the part and, you know, just how good does he look in his rookie year and how does that affect Jones going forward? So those are the two that I'm really kind of uniquely keeping an eye on. Right. And for sure, you know, you look at the world, we all have careers these days and football players are not the exception where someone younger is coming for your job. That's (laughs) reality of the game these days. Younger kids have better technology. They're in the gym quicker, stuff like that. And, you know, when you're looking at Kevin King, I mean, he was already, in terms of tackles, he he got 66 last year. He's already the best corner on the team. So if he does any better, you've got a lot of eyes on him. So I agree with what you're saying, that they're looking for what he is right now. But for his own sake, you know, who doesn't want to be putting in their best foot forward? And, of course, if he puts up more numbers, I mean – you guys are going to love watching that, but it is hard to look at the the number side of making that decision. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to say anything too hot about the running back room because anything could happen. You know, one you could peg two of the three, and then oops, everything's on its head. It really depends on how they're developing that running game and how analytical they're going to get with this rotation for sure. Yeah, I think it's a couple of the really fun storylines. And I love that business side approach to it and to see how, you know, some of those contracts and the the dollars and cents kind of make sense of the rest of the picture as, you know, Brian Kudugunst and the, and Russ Ball specifically kind of put this team together moving forward. All right, let's move to a couple other Packer questions that I am uh, really want to get your opinion on. So the first is that what is your biggest question mark that you have for Matt LaFleur and just kind of this Packers team in general as we go into Matt LaFleur's second season? All right, again, I'm sticking with numbers. In even the quickest glance, I encourage any Packers fan sitting at home even just to pull up our good old-fashioned favorite pro football reference, bless that website. Yeah. You look at any game-trackable stat, especially against the strength of the schedule last year, the Packers are average, if not dead same, with their opponents last year in nearly everything they put on the field. I mean, they only happen to be winning based on timing of things. There's not that much else that's pushing them dramatically, numbers-wise, in output, what else they're putting on the field. So if we are talking about developing a much, much deeper run game with a quarterback who is fairly, not amazingly, not poorly, fairly mobile for his age in Rodgers, 
I'm really interested in seeing how that's actually going to impact the scoreboard. I really am. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting take. And I think that's, you know, something that it certainly seems that the Packers and Matt LaFleur want to work on and want to continue to get better at being maybe a little bit more balanced. Uh, You know, for me, one of the things that I kept going towards last year was, uh, you know, you you go back, you you rewind uh, right up until you're right after, I should say, you know, Matt LaFleur gets hired. So Matt LaFleur gets hired. You kind of have this boost in energy and an enthusiasm from bringing on this new young head coach. And then he gets goes out and gets all these great assistants. So there's this energy in the, the room. And then Brian Gutekunst goes out and he signs four major free agents. So he gets, of course, to Darius and Preston and Amos and, and Billy Turner. And there's a ton of energy that exudes from those four big signings. And of course, having them work out right. helps yeah. quite a bit as well. <laughs> and then, you know, above, above and beyond that, you know, for the first time in a long time, you, not only do you have two first round picks, but you have two top 25 first round picks, not to mention uh, a pretty well-rounded draft that came after that, including guys like Elton Jenkins and Jay Sternberger and things like that. So like everywhere along the way in the off season was just kind of these things that continued to come up aces. And then you get into the regular season and you win against Chicago in week one and in all throughout the season, you never lost more than one game in a row. Um, you definitely had some adversity. You lost some tough games. Obviously, the, the championship game is is a big loss, but there's not a week after that that now it's like the, the end of the season. Um, and the, the only real kind of adversity that they had was kind of against the Eagles where they lost that game against the Eagles, lost Devontae Adams for about four to five weeks. Um, and they, they kind of had to deal with that. And they kind of went on a, a nice four or five game win streak after that. But other than that, We've never seen this team uh, under Matt LaFleur lose two games in a row. We've never seen them have any, you know, major injury that they had to overcome for a significant period of time. I, I think it's safe and sane and not to put this, you know, dark cloud over the Packers, but they're at some point this season, they're probably going to face more adversity this year than they ever did at any point last year. And I want to see how a Matt LaFleur coach team responds to that significant adversity. I would definitely agree with that. You know, I mean, Packers fans, I know it's really hard for you guys losing games, but like God, to not lose two in a row, like just just every now and then tap yourself on the back and realize how lucky you are. A little chip in the shoulder goes a long way, people. Yeah, 100%. All right, next question for you. Uh, what player or players or group of players do you think are at the biggest disadvantage due to the decre- uh, decreased practice and preseason time? Of course, the NFL canceled the entirety of the preseason. We know already there was no rookie minicamp, minicamp OTAs. It sounds like training camp may also be limited to eight padded practices before the start of the season. So it's obviously going to put some of the younger guys, the undrafted guys, even the rookies behind the eight ball a bit. But anyone that you think that this does more of a disservice too. So I can't help but think with my, my heart's always in the locker room. Um, yeah, I mean, growing up an athlete, I, I feel that way myself. And I, I can't help but think, but, you know, part of a team is being a teammate. And th- that's always going to be how I feel is what you're missing out in preseason is exactly what you said. The rookies, the new guys who rely upon social interactions to make that locker room connection. But I do feel like we have seen almost, if not all of at least the draft picks in the gym already, either in their towns or obviously making their way to Green Bay by this point. Um, so I, I do see people putting in the work. You know, I have had players tell me that doing these virtual workouts is different than work putting in the weight room together. Um, and obviously, I'm the type of person that when I do a workout at home, I can mentally try to go as hard as I want. I'm not going as hard as 
I would if I was in a real gym. That's just the reality. My kitchen is tiny. It's not happening. <laughs> but hopefully these players, you know, have better facilities than me to pull off these workouts and sweat their butt off and, and get that muscle memory in at home. But there is a bit of a difference, you know, when you're looking through a computer screen I and mean, you don't have your squatter yelling down your neck, something like that. So, you know, you're not running the same routes in your backyard that you would be with 20 teammates running through the same drill. So I do think socially, mentally, I think maybe everyone, and this isn't Packers specific, is feeling a bit of the pinch and prep. But, you know, that's going to be a storyline also to watch throughout the season is empathetically, I'm, I'm going to want to be talking to guys about being like, are you still feeling any of the burnout effects or too quick to ramp up effects of the season? Or what are you missing? What, what do you feel like you didn't get this year that you actually took for granted before in terms of preseason prep, things like that. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I could call anybody out for missing out on anything right now, because I truly don't know if we're going to be seeing these spots until we're further in, but I, I can only imagine that it, it does suck not having that locker room, socialization beforehand because this is where the brotherhood starts that's a really good point i never thought of it necessarily in that locker room regards but um that's something that really buoyed the packers last season was their strong locker room um and and to be frank you lose guys like brian bulaga and Tremont williams who are two of the the real great ones in that locker room and that's certainly going to change the dynamic a little bit just when you lose players like that. Um, at least for now, there's still the opportunity that maybe Tremont could be back at some point, but at least for now, you've lost both of those players. So, you know, you're looking for maybe guys that are going to step up and take their place a little bit. And, uh, you know, that that sometimes that takes time, effort, and energy to kind of figure out who's going to take on some of those leadership roles. And it's not like Green Bay's necessarily lacking for that. You know, you still have guys like Zadarius Smith and Aaron Rodgers and, and a multitude of other people, you know, David Bakhtiari within that locker room that are going to help that transition. But uh, it's still something that's really interesting that, uh, again, personally, I hadn't thought about. Um, I think it's very safe to say that a lot of the the rookies and undrafted players are going to really be behind the eight ball. Um, another player that, you know, kind of stands out to me a little bit is is Devin Funches. And you, you go with, you know, you look back at Devin Funches. So, of course, he played in Carolina two years ago. Then he gets yeah. the one season in Indianapolis where he's trying to learn a new offense and a new quarterback. And then right before the season, Andrew Luck retires. And then, of course, in game one, he goes out with an injury for the entirety of the season. Now he gets picked up by the Packers. Now he's trying to learn another offense, you know, kind of get back in game shape. Um, he doesn't have the opportunity of, you know, really a, an elongated training camp or a preseason at all to work off some of that rust. And we also know just how important that trust is for Aaron Rodgers to build with his receivers to make sure that they're on the same page, that they can do, you know, some of those things. And I just think that that's going to really be a detriment to a player like Devin Funches, who isn't necessarily going to get, you know, like you mentioned, muscle memory, you know, some of those practice reps and muscle memory of just going through that with Aaron Rodgers to build up some of that trust and maybe work off some of that rust from being out all of last season. Yeah, I hear you on that 100%. You know, nobody deserves more time to fully shake that off, of course. Um, and, and that trust is absolutely true. You know, I, we can't say for sure it isn't happening. You know, uh, we live in a world where nobody's obligated to post their whole lives on social media. But you see guys like Cam Newton linking up with three or four of his receivers already. And we, we just don't know. If that's sure. happening right now, you know, and I can't, I wouldn't hold anybody accountable to if they are or aren't yet purely because there is a global pandemic going on at the end of the day. And I, I would never, ever, ever judge a quarterback for not linking up with his receivers. If anybody hasn't quarantined for 14 days leading up to that, it's, 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 a, everything is just more complex than you could ever imagine it to be before. But at, at the end of the day, those connections are vital and that 
is what makes a team even stronger. But I love that you brought up Zadarius Smith again for this because I do look to him as a, a vet in the NFL who I do love how he's coming to his own in Green Bay. And I think his career arc has been super great to see him be a completely different player here than he ever was in Baltimore. Um, I got to watch him a bit here in my covering time of the Mid-Atlantic as well. And I just think it's super cool to see guys like that. I also think Darnell Savage is a bit of charisma to him to kind of be one of those uh, middle tier guys that can be a locker room connector, social empath in there. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right on that. And I think having the ability to team with, you know, Adrian Amos and learn from him as well is going to help his progression. And, yeah. you know, just going back to Z Zedarius for a second, like, how crazy is it? And I know Zedarius maybe has a little bit more work to do to get mentioned in this echelon, but like, how crazy is it that, uh, you know, Ron Wolf comes in and his big free agent signing is Reggie White. Um, and then Ted Thompson comes in and his big free agent signing is Charles Woodson. And then yeah. Brian Gutekunst comes in and his big free agent signing is Zedarius Smith. Like these uh, leaders on the defensive side of the football to huge free agent deals that everyone at the time thought were, you know, overpriced and overpaid. Um, you know, even Reggie White, everyone was gunning for him, but the Packers made Made, uh, a super aggressive offer at the time. Um, you know, Charles Woodson was certainly, he was one of the last big free agents on the market and the Packers had to overpay him a bit to get him to Green Bay. And then Zadarius Smith, I, I, you know, uh, Bill Barnwell, of course, gave him a, a, what the Packers like a D minus when they made the, the signing and said it was massively overpaid. So, and, and all three of them have just come up absolute aces. Uh, hopefully, you know, they, they won the Super Bowl with Reggie White. They won the Super Bowl with Charles Woodson. Hopefully they can do the same with Zadarius Smith, but just a crazy correlation between those three signings. I, I love all of that for sure. And I, I do think that, you know, some people say defense wins championships. <laughs> just just some people do tend to say that. I'm I am definitely one of those people. So I'm right there with you. All right. I want to also get your opinion, just a, a flat out bold prediction as we start going into this season. Uh give me give me your Rachel Hotmayer bold prediction as we go into the season. All right. I put some thought into this. I did. I didn't want to just go willy nilly on you. Um, I'm hyped that fingers crossed you guys get to watch Javante Adams at full health this year. So Ooh. I want to put something on, you know, he got five touchdowns last year and he worked, he worked his butt off, you know, he's running, flying into that end zone. But I think I'd like to put my name on 10. I like it. I, I like it. And I think that's uh, certainly an attainable uh, goal for Devonte Adams. And uh, I think he would be a hundred percent on board with that. I think, I think you might even be able to, you know, go above and beyond that a little bit. So I, I'd be excited for that either way. Uh, 10 plus touchdowns would be amazing for Devonte. I think we'd all have some fun watching that. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I have uh, a couple, you know, uh, the first is I think one of the biggest, uh, you know, acquisitions of the offseason is going to end up being Jerry Gray. I think there is so much untapped potential in this secondary still. Even a guy like Jair Alexander, who's shown flashes of Pro Bowl and even all pro level play. I think if we can get that consistently and see him play at an all pro level, I think that ability is there. I think a guy like Josh Jackson, I still think the, the his ceiling is tremendously high. He hasn't, you know, reached uh, anywhere close to that ceiling yet, but I think that raw potential still remains. A guy like Kadar Hallman, I still think there's a lot of potential there. Um, you know, Chandon Sullivan came in big last season. I think that has an opportunity, or he has the opportunity to continue to improve. Um, even guy, you know, Kevin King, we just talked about him. Even a guy like KB Nento, who is completely flying under the radar, um, he was a, a wide receiver in college who came in and played uh, defensive back or corner 
uh, in camp for for Green Bay, consistently flashed in training camp, was really impressed by him, and then had an injury towards the end of camp. Um, they they kept him. I can't remember if he went to IR if they if he was on the practice squad, but they kept him throughout the season one way or the other. And he's going to have the opportunity to come back. And I think he has a chance to really earn that number six corner spot. And then you go to the safety position. We already talked about Amos. Of course, Darnell Savage has all the potential in the world to be one of the top safeties. And then uh, even guys like Raven Green, who I think has uh, a lot of still uh, untapped potential to prove. So I think Jerry Gray has the ability to be uh, really one of the key offseason acquisitions if he can untap a lot of that potential in the Packers secondary. Definitely. I, th- I think that all looks good. And, you know, I got to also say this. Like, I think I can't be the only one with my eyes open for Alan Lazard to do more. Yeah. I, I'm I think right there with you. There's space for it. And if he's got that power, I think it'll be more than welcome coming out of Green Bay. Um, and I just think that's one of those guys where this is the year to level up. Um, but I, I do think there's just so much room to grow here in, in a good way. Everybody's got room to just push forward and, there's a lot of spots where little tiny improvements could, again, just make that ball move 10 more yards forward. Yeah. Uh, and going back to Lazard, uh, agreed 100%. I wrote an article just a few weeks back about how I don't think Alan Lazard is going to kind of follow in the trend of the Jared Boykins and the Geronimo Allisons and some of these undrafted players in Green Bay at receiver who have maybe flashed for a season or a season and a half and then just completely disappeared afterwards. Uh, I just don't see that happening with Lazard. I think he is on the path to being a really solid receiver for Green Bay, and I expect uh, even a better season this season than he had a season ago. Right. I, I think, again, there's just we are in year two under LaFleur's scheme here and you either make it yours or you don't. Yeah, and I think Lazard's ready to make it his. Uh, no. This has been absolutely fantastic. But before we get you out of here, I want to see, you know, did you have any uh, final thoughts, anything else you wanted to, to cover uh, before we get out? I mean, I just I love the opportunity to talk Packers with people. I, I take it so seriously that I just feel so lucky and humble that I get the honor of talking about something so serious and cherished as the Packers and football and a game we all know and love and live and die over uh, so seriously with people like you and a fan base that cherishes it as their lifeblood. You know, I, I've always want to talk to people about this. Um, you can find me online at Rachel Hopmeyer, Twitter, Instagram, and I just I'll always want to chat. And the day that things go back to normal, Sure, you'll be able to find me covering some pregame tailgates around Lambeau. I'd love nothing more than to slide on over to anybody's tailgates, see what you're cooking, learn the Wisconsin way. I've not had a brat yet, so got to figure that out. (laughs) You do need to figure that out. That's going to be a homework assignment for sure. Uh, (laughs) Anything that you're currently working on? Anything that you want to plug on your way out? Uh, Nothing too close yet. You know, I mean, it's it's preseason for all of us, and I'd be lying if I said that I wouldn't be doing my job along you guys if I wasn't watching my tape and going through all of my routes lines as possible. You know, we've got a lot of things on the horizon. Wouldn't it be nice if we were in a year where baseball was already in full swing and I had that diamond on the back of my hand while I'm getting prepared for Don Hudson, but that's not what we take. um, And that's not what 2020 has dealt. And I am a okay with that because we are all working harder than ever to just give the Packers fans whatever we can for sure i just feel excited to share it with you guys so i'm i'm working hard if packers fans ever want me to dive deeper into something do any analysis push harder on a topic talk to players about anything i'm more 
than welcome to use whatever access I can to try and tell the stories that the fans are looking for. Well, that's what makes you so great. I'm so excited that you are going to be covering the Packers uh, moving forward. Um, I could, this is legitimately true. I think the first time that we were, maybe it was the first or second time that we were on a call together uh, for, you know, just a media call um, there. I think there may have been one prior to the draft and then the draft came on and it was like the second time um, that you were on. And like both times you asked amazing questions and I'm like, who the hell is Rachel Hotmayer? She's fantastic. I'm so excited that uh, she's going to be joining the beat. So really, really excited to have you, uh, you know, covering the team. And uh, hopefully eventually when things clear up, uh, we'll be able to see each other in the locker room and things like that, which would be even more amazing. But I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. This is seriously the biggest honor. And, and she's heads, I'm here for you. <laughs> well, everyone, make sure to go out and follow Rachel on Twitter. Of course, you can always follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Uh, stay tuned uh, tomorrow for a all new episode, and uh, we'll get you guys out of here as always with a big Go Pack Go!